Hello there, podcast listener. Amber Noel here. It's my turn to be a listener now. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. The Living Church, as you might know, is a nonprofit communications ministry with a heart for Christian unity, especially in the Anglican communion. And we want to keep our mission sharp in all we do, including the podcast, and have fun, obviously. But would you write to me and let me know how we're doing? What's the podcast doing for you? Is it making a difference in your thinking, your ministry, your prayer life, your daily walk with your golden doodle? Do you have some hot takes on what we could do better? I want to hear it all. I might even read your comments on the next episode. There are so many great podcasts out there. I want to do more of what The Living Church is here to do and less of what it's not. So there are two things you can do to help. First, make sure you're following us from a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on the page and click follow. The second thing you can do is email me, ambernoel at livingchurch.org. Share with me a thing or two you've gotten from the podcast over the years. And if you want, include something we might do better. Help us stay not just a great podcast, but on mission. Follow us, email me, A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org. I can't wait to hear from you. The Living Church, Catholic, Evangelical, Ecumenical. We're still maybe not flocking back into movie theaters, but that's okay. We thought we'd bring a little of the arts and entertainment world to you today, dear listener. A couple of months ago, The Living Church made a friend in producer Mary Beth Minnis, a documentary filmmaker who currently hails from Austin, Texas. And I ended up sitting with her at a dinner, and I heard some of her story, and we had such a lovely and inspiring conversation. I wanted to have her on the show to talk about how her life and vocation in film began and how they intersect with discipleship and the work of the church. Now, if you haven't already picked up on the show, I'm a bit of a film buff and I love sharing what God is up to in the arts. In various ways, Mary Beth has dedicated her life to tell stories that reveal truth and bring hope. So after a decade in college ministry and mentoring with the organization crew, what better or more natural transition than that she should jump headlong into the world of filmmaking, right? Okay, well, you'll hear about this in today's episode. It's very fascinating. Mary Beth has now worked on seven films so far, including the documentary Tower, which won the 2018 Emmy for Best Historical Documentary, and she was executive producer on that film. She's currently at work on another documentary with the working title Clarkston, on which she and Katie Couric are both executive producers. Today, we'll talk about how and where Mary Beth sees the Lord at work in the film industry and in the lives of those she works with, the kinds of stories that she loves telling, what the craft of filmmaking can teach us about God, and what her job looks like day to day, which I found seems to involve a lot of the aspects and require many of the same virtues as working in ministry. You can find more information about Mary Beth's films and where to watch them in the show notes today. Now grab that bucket of popcorn, dim the lights, put your phone on silent, and enjoy the conversation.
Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So how did you become connected with the Living Church, Mary Beth? Because if I'm understanding right, you are not an Episcopalian. Yes. Well, one of my dearest friends and mentors is Carrie Boren Headington, and she's a canon in the church. And she invited me to be a part of an alpha class online. And I joined this spring with her. And another person on that was Christopher Wells, the executive director of the Living Church. And I became acquainted with him. And he invited me to show one of my films to a group of people with the Living Church. And that thus began my introduction into this world. What are your ecclesial ties? Where are you in the family tree? Sure. Well, my dad's side of the family are Roman Catholic and my mom's side are Southern Baptist. And I'm currently a member of a Presbyterian Church of America, a PCA church. Wow. So, and I've gone to different different denominations um, throughout kind of my journey, my spiritual journey. And my friend Carrie is constantly trying to get me on the Canterbury Trail. I think that's what she calls it. <laughs> and um, so, but I, I enjoy fellowship and communion with all denominations of Christians and find I appreciate finding more in common with one another and talking about those things and spurring one another on towards love and good deeds, being of greater value than discussing our differences. Mary Beth, can you tell me about your journey into filmmaking? I do know that you were not always doing this. My journey really changed dramatically when I was a student at the University of Oklahoma. And the way I describe it is I went from being a Christian who was focused on building my kingdom and asking God to bless it to someone who said, okay, Lord, teach me to build your kingdom. And that's an ongoing battle in my life is, wait, whose kingdom am I building today? And so the form or what it has looked like to serve the Lord has taken different forms. So I worked and then have worked in the nonprofit space, mentoring college students spiritually through the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, or CREW, as we're known now. And I loved that. I loved being able to introduce someone who'd never heard the gospel or who was confused about who God was or what who, what, who Jesus is and being able to help lead them into faith in Christ. And in 2010, I had this friend whose story I thought needed to be told. And I thought a film might be the best way to do it. And I didn't have a film background. I studied math in college. I had been working with a nonprofit for many years. But I love a good story. And really, it was this drive to tell a story of a flawed human and a redemptive God. So kind of my MO in life is I pray. And then I try to sense what the Holy Spirit is prompting in me. And then I take steps of faith in that direction. So I did. So I prayed and I thought, okay, I think a film might be the good way. I sensed God saying, move in that direction. So I went to my film friends and I said, what's the first step to make a film? And they told me, you need to hire a director. So I found this guy, Matt Knighton. And I said, hey, I want to tell this story. I want to make this film. Would you like to direct it? And he said, sure. So then I had that secured. So I went back and I said, what's the next step? 
And they said, well, you need funding. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just do what I normally do, which is pray and ask God and then do what he says. And so I started praying about who I should talk to. And this one person's name came to my mind. So I emailed him and we met the next day. And then the next day he wrote a check to cover the cost of the entire film. So I went back to my film friends and I said, okay, now I have the money. What's Oh my word. I know. And that was when they told me how unusual that was. I really did not know, honestly, how unusual that was. I just was in my mind working the steps, praying, taking a step. And that's really what I've done ever since. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I wanted this story told and I wanted to figure out a way to do it. And one of the influences on me, which is kind of unusual for somebody who, like myself, the kind of stories I'm interested in telling, was Quentin Tarantino. So I watched this YouTube. Yeah, okay, tell me about that. You know. That is fascinating, Mary Beth. Yes. Okay, so I watched this YouTube, and like it was a Q&A at a film festival, and he was giving advice to young filmmakers. And he said, you know, the most important thing you can do is watch people watch your films. And I just tucked that away. And so my first film, it was six minutes. And I took about six months watching people watch my film. And I would get as in front of as many people as I could, different demographics, because I wanted to see if what I thought I was communicating was actually happening. And that was giving me the kind of feedback. And I've done that on on all of my films. I'm thinking of all the people in our listening audience who are preachers and how difficult and harrowing it would be if they followed this advice. If every Sunday while they're preaching, so first of all, you have to be prepared enough to <laughs> be able to preach, but also watch how people are responding to your sermon. I just think that this also would be a really fascinating thing for preachers to do. I say that currently as someone who's not preaching, um, but oh my goodness, how scary would that be? And also um, how interesting. It's also got to be something like an exercise against pride. It is. You know, when I started producing my first film, it was the first time I had realized how much courage it takes to create. It's so much easier to be a critic, to watch something, listen to something, read something and talk about it. You know, that's what Twitter is full of, full of people giving their opinions, right? It is infinitely harder to create something that connects with people. And I just, I would listen to Bono is one of my, you know, people I really respect as an artist, as a performer. And I remember listening to him talk about what it, his journey and his story. And that really inspired me. And I thought, okay, you just have to put it out there. You you create this little thing and it's like your baby and you put it out to the world and you have to be ready for people to judge it or dismiss it or completely not understand. Um, but when people really do, it's very satisfying. So did you love movies before this? And what have you come to love and appreciate about the art itself? It's hard to find somebody who doesn't love movies. <laughs> They're so easy to love. But I mean, I think what I've come to love and appreciate about the art is, you know, I'm 
I'm a sucker for a good story. And I think films allow you to be transported to another place. They open you up sometimes and help make a connection between your head and your heart. And in a way that's subversive. So you might be watching a, watching a film and merely for entertainment purposes, but there might be something going on in your life. And when you see it in this character and played out, it somehow God can use that to help you to make connections and understand in a deeper way what's really going on inside of you or what you need. I know we when I when I showed Unforgivable, you know, to your community and we had a discussion, it was it was a really enriching time because all of a sudden we were we were transported to a different a deeper level of communication because we'd all seen this story that just touched our hearts and inspired us in in ways we we didn't you know hadn't experienced an hour before. Yeah, we had a room full of, just to set the picture for everybody listening, we had a a room full of board members and leaders in the Episcopal Church. There were a lot of bishops in the room, (laughs) for example. And at the end of the movie, people start sharing and talking. People were very moved. They started sharing very vulnerably. It was just a wonderful moment. It's, It's not how I expected to close out a board meeting that day. So thank you. My pleasure. Now, I am curious about a little bit of the day-to-day of what it means to be a producer because I do want to get into how you see what you do as ministry. But before we do that, I want to get a little bit into the nitty-gritty. So can you describe um, what do you do day-to-day? What does a typical day look like for um, a movie producer? What What are some of the tasks or rhythms of being what you are? It's super romantic, right? Well, the first thing that came to my mind when you asked this question was, you're a problem solver. That's really, as a producer, you're constantly solving problems. So, you know, as a producer, you're the person who has the vision for the project. You may be hiring people. You may be firing people. You're trying to keep things on target and, you know, on time. And you're managing a team of people, creative people. All the while, you're also doing fundraising. So perhaps I'm meeting with somebody and sharing the vision of what we're trying to do and getting the funding necessary to make it happen. So it's things like that. You know, most of the time what people see is, um, you know, what I post on social media would be I'm on the red carpet, you know, or I'm interviewing Kevin Durant or these moments that are very glamorous. And I'm so grateful that there's a part of the job that's that. Um, but most of the time it's pretty mundane and it's just making sure you're moving forward. This also seems to connect for me with the work of the church with pastoring. I don't think I want to tease that out exactly, uh, while we're talking today, Mary Beth, because I think people can kind of draw their own connections here, but it's beautiful to me to hear and see how, when we decide to serve, uh, the church and and serve the Lord, um, that we end up doing very similar kinds of things um, in the same spirit, even though they're in such varied, uh, varied industries, although the church is, is not or shouldn't be an industry. Um, but I think you see what I'm saying, that there's this, there's this uh, similarity and this synergy and things that we can 
learn from each other. That's very beautiful. Well, I think you you hinted at wanting to ask about whether or not I see my role as a filmmaker as a ministry. Yes. And I do in a sense, but I see my job as somebody who is setting the table so that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. So sometimes it's the actual film that they're watching that might cause them to to wonder, wow, okay, how is this possible, you know, that this person could forgive in this situation that is so unforgivable? I hope it's provocative. I hope it causes them to wonder and to even in, in and to also examine their own conscience and their own what would I do in that situation? And, and in that sense, that's similar to something a pastor would do when they are preaching and and presenting the word and helping people examine and understand the gospel in a better way. And so I see that as part of what I'm doing. I also think when I'm interacting in the industry with people at film festivals or with other filmmakers and in different environments, I hope that the way that I interact with them is provocative. I hope that they also, you know, experience the aroma of Christ, that when they engage with me, they see somebody who is quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Um, Somebody doesn't have a huge, um, you know, ego, but they would sense a humility about me. And so it's, it's what I'm creating, but it's also how I'm operating. You know, when I hire people to work on different projects, I want them to be well paid. I mean, I'm always trying to save money. I don't want to overspend, but I want their experience to be valued, you know, Um, and and also for people who decide to invest or donate to a project. I want it to be the best, one of the best experiences and that they feel that they are part of the team. Um, And I think that's important and it honors God to, to operate in that way. Yeah, that's great. And I noticed that you use this phrase. And again, if um, if Carrie Bourne Headington is listening today, she will rejoice greatly that you have used the phrase setting the table. You see that as part of your ministry, um, which is definitely um, part of the way, explicitly part of the way that um, ministers in the Episcopal Church and other liturgical traditions would talk about their ministry because they're literally every week, setting the table. They're participating in setting up and serving this feast and whether people come to it is their own choice. Um, and then once they come to it, what they do when they leave also is is their own choice, also is their own choice and their journey uh, with God. But setting of the table is such an evocative image. Um, and I'm so glad you used it. It's so true. I'd love to hear one or two stories, specific stories about how you have seen God at work. But then another way to approach this question is how you've seen God at work in your own life, uh, how your own discipleship has been affected by being in this industry and doing this work. When you think, when I think about how I seen God at work and in the art and craft of filmmaking, what came to my mind was when you make a film, you literally cannot do it on your own. It takes a team and you're really trying to find the the different people bring something to it, right? Whether that's, you know, the person who writes the score to the people who play the instruments 
or the sound design, somebody working on the sound design, somebody working on the color, somebody doing the, the framing of the shots, the director of photography or cinematography, the director, all of these different roles. It takes a, a huge team of people to, to make a film. And it reminds me of how God talks about we are the body of Christ and the hands and the feet and the ears. And we don't need to be jealous of one another, but we all have to sort of do our role and believe and trust that God is at work through us as a body. And what we do together is more powerful than than even the sum of the parts. And the same is true when you're making a film. It's really if each of the people does does what they are designed to do with all of their heart, but setting aside their own ego or their own agenda and serving the greater good, the story that we're trying to tell and really giving it their all, it creates something even more powerful. And that's that's part of the, my job as a producer is to help orchestrate that, help people work together well and bring out the best in each of them. But I also had opportunities to to show my films and, you know, Oscar award-winning people have wanted to speak to me afterwards and have said, you know, are you a Christian? Because you got me thinking. And I mean, that's a huge compliment, you know, that somebody even admit that and say that to me. And, And I hope they are continuing to think. And I hope that they are continuing to watch how I'm interacting in the world. And that speaks volumes about the God that I claim to follow. It was it was not long ago I was reading a book about the film industry and 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 Christianity and it was only written 10 or 20 years ago, but it even seemed outdated in the way that it took a position of assuming that everyone who's in this industry would automatically be hostile to having religious conversations or conversations about Jesus or, or conversations about something beautifully transcendent that that had to do with God. Um, people are becoming less shy about having a faith life and also just being human and being curious about the soul and about what is beyond our consumeristic impulses and the, the you know, frenetic whirlwinds of our own desires, um, surely there's there's got to be something else and something more. And this is part of what the arts, what it means to be in the arts as someone who's serious about them is to be pursuing um, some of these deeper questions and exploring them. So of course, questions of, of faith, of God, of what is a human being. Um, and also it's just more acceptable to be a more well-rounded person um, and to be more vulnerable I would think. So this story is encouraging and again, might be surprising to some folks. And I, I don't think anyone likes propaganda. No one likes that. And it doesn't matter what you're, you know, you're trying to sell. No one likes propaganda, but they love art and they love an authentic story and they love an authentic human. And I think sometimes the way that Christians interact in the world, if there's an insecurity or we feel like we have to, you know, defend God in some way, there's, I'm not saying absolutely we should defend our faith and what we believe and those things. But if there's a posture like, oh, like this world is going to go out of control if we don't take over, that is a poor example of our faith because 
we're not we're not showing that we actually believe that God is sovereign. And when somebody interacts with us, if we are not defensive, but instead it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that question, or like you said, to be vulnerable about our own frailties and and those things and the power that enables us to actually overcome addiction or, you know, deal with some of the major problems in our life. It, it speaks volumes. Like, cause like you said, it, God is at work already in, in the lives and hearts and minds of people. Sometimes they just need a safe space to actually open up about that and admit that. Now, I know you wanted to get to this question as well. Where have you seen God working in, in your own life and discipleship as you've been uh, a producer? The first thing that came to my mind is just humility. I talked earlier about how difficult it is to create versus critique. And as I took the journey to step by step to make my first film and then hoping and praying that it would have the audience and be shown at this conference that I had dreamed of, it took a lot of faith and trust that, okay, God, it still pleases you if I don't see the outcome that I desire. You know, it's so it builds humility, it builds trust. And then I've seen him give me favor in places far beyond my imagination. I was invited to the United Nations um, to an event at the UN and able to talk about a film there. And so it's Goodness, it's built my faith because I've had to enter, engage and enter into these rooms with people that I, you know, think, wow, how how did I get here? I'm just this girl from Oklahoma who loves a good story, you know, and loves her God and is just trying to do the next thing, you know. So, but it when I tell the story in more fullness of my journey, people can't help but say, there's something, there's some greater force at work you know, because this is a very unusual, your path and how you've had these opportunities. And I would say the same thing. I would like to turn now to the actual films that you've worked on and the stories that you uh, have, have helped to tell. When I looked through your IMDb page and I watched the trailers for each of your movies, and of course I've seen one of them, I also saw another pattern. I think that you have produced films that seem to focus on stories and people who would otherwise possibly never be noticed. So you seem to be interested in, in lifting up. Um, hold on just one second, Mary Beth. I may have to ask this question again. Let me see if someone's running the vacuum out there. I think I'm considering actually just leaving the sound of the vacuum in the background. Um, now that we've talked about like being open and telling stories and vulnerability and all of this, I feel like it's okay for everyone to know that the living church office gets vacuumed once a week. <laughs> so, so you seem to be interested in lifting up stories of obscure or humble yet powerful <laughs> Well, I'm just going to ask this question over the sound of like a gesture, a very, a humble yet powerful gesture of service happening right outside my door, which is the vacuuming of a carpet, um, which we've all done. 
Okay. So you're interested in lifting up these stories. Um, it's so perfect. Right. Of, of it's making the story that much more powerful. That's right. That's right. We've got a meta element going on here. Um, so stories of gestures of service or forgiveness or community building, like, um, for example, in your film, Imba Means Sing, uh, it's about an African children's choir who venture this 500-day road trip across the U.S. and the things that they experience, um, big and small. Or um, you tell a couple of stories of everyday Rwandans rebuilding their society. And one is Unforgivable, which I saw. And then another one is Mama Rwanda, um, about a group of women um, taking care of their families and their children and um, being entrepreneurs, running businesses in their communities. Another way to put it could also be that you examine something of of uh, significance that seems in danger of being forgotten, like the University of Texas Tower shooting in 1966. You mentioned um, your film Tower, or a movie about an elderly basketball coach who actually invented the jump shot, but NBA players, when you interviewed them, had no idea who this guy was. And these are really interesting stories. And this seems to me, in a way, like a very Christian impulse to put forward what may not put itself forward or to say, here's a whole movie about someone who might never be noticed or a story that might otherwise be forgotten. And in your opinion, what stories should Christians be helping to tell, either as pastors or as artists? It's hard for me to speak for whatever, what other people should do, Christians or not. There are certainly things that I, stories that I want to tell. And I think I want to tell stories that the hero is the Lord. And yet when I look at the Bible, I think, well, really the story God is telling is that as humans, we we don't have the power. We, we're really not the people to look to for hope. The people, the person to look to is the God of the people. And the, he's the one who empowers them to do the supernatural, to lay down their rights, to serve, to, you know, live a life of humility. You know, like, so you mentioned Jump Shot, which is about Kenny Sailors. This is somebody that nobody knows his name. And he stood up for the rights of women. And he made sure that they had the opportunity to play basketball across the state of Alaska. So this is a man who lived out his faith in a way that reflected the values that the Bible teaches us. You know, I, I, Certainly, I want us to show flawed people. So absolutely, you can just tell a story. Right. Right. And I think I think there's a way to do that 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 honors God. But that we wouldn't we wouldn't put out there something that's sort of a caricature, but that is the full breadth. That is absolutely true. Now, my final question for you today. I'd love to know as a final question, what are some of your favorite films, uh, particularly any that you would say maybe have had the kind of impact on you that you'd want your films to have on others or done the kinds of things that you'd like to do? Or maybe you just you just love Kill Bill. Maybe you're also a fan of Quentin Tarantino's movies since you enjoyed his advice. Um, what are some of your favorite films? Yeah, well, confession, I haven't seen most of Quentin Tarantino's films. I really just learned from him from that interview. That's okay. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, some of my favorite films are, there's a Danish film called After the Wedding. I absolutely loved it when I saw it, and I own it, and I watch it mm. quite consist- consistently. The Lives of Others is a German film. 
really loved, loved that. I love that film. And it, it just gives me hope when you see people change. They're on a course. They're convinced that what they think and what they believe is the truth and the, and the best way to be. And then they realize they were wrong. Um, I think it's really powerful. And then a couple of fun options. I really love the film. Um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I, when, I, when I was a kid, I watched that. I loved that movie. Um, and I just, it just took me to another place. I just thought it was so much fun. And so I love that movie. And then Wonder Woman. Mm. Love that movie. And it, I take great courage from it. So when I watch Wonder Woman, it gives me a lot of um, courage, you know, and to see somebody who, you know, the way she's portrayed, she's she's a leader and she's fighting for truth and justice and love. Mary Beth, this has been such an illuminating and interesting conversation. I'm sure it will be for our listeners as well. Thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved having this conversation and look forward to more. Mary Beth's next project is called Clarkston. I just wanted to mention that again. And it's the story of a Muslim refugee and a former Klansman and what they find they have in common, being the target of blame in a polarized America. A powerful story of risk and reconciliation. You can find it at clarkstonfilm.com. To learn more about her movies, including the one we watched with the Living Church Board called Unforgivable, check out our show notes today. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Church Podcast. Coming up in the next month, we've got a little back-to-school advice from St. John Chrysostom and international wisdom on small group ministry from Lusaka, Zambia, and Houston, Texas. Until next time, I'm your host, Amber Noel, and it's been good to be with you. Peace. Peace.